This is CPX number 111, The Beatitudes. We are in the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 149 to 151, question and answer number 1 through 15. God give you his peace, and nomine patris, sifiti, et spiritu santi, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us. Cleanse us and save us, you who are all good. Amen. In nomine Patris, Sifiti, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Number one, name the Beatitudes. Answer, the Beatitudes are eight. One, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Two, blessed are the meek, for they shall possess the land. Three, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Four, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall be filled. 5. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 6. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. 7. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Number 8. Blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice's sake, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Number two, why did Jesus Christ propose the Beatitudes to us? Answer, Jesus Christ proposed the Beatitudes to us to make us detest the maxims of the world and to invite us to love and practice the maxims of the gospel. Number three, who are they whom the world calls happy? Answer, the world calls happy who abound in riches and honors, who lead a pleasant life, and who meet with no occasions of suffering. Number four, who are the poor in spirit whom Jesus Christ calls blessed? Answer, the poor in spirit are, according to the gospel, those whose hearts are detached from riches, who make good use of riches should they have any, who do not seek them too eagerly if they have none, and who suffer the loss of such things with resignation when deprived of them. Number five, who are the meek? Answer, the meek are those who act tenderly towards their neighbor, bear patiently with his defects, and accept the offenses and injuries they receive from him without contention, resentment, or vengeance. Number six, who are they that mourn yet are called happy? Answer, they that mourn yet are called happy are they who suffer tribulations with resignation and who mourn over sins committed, over the evils and scandals that prevail in the world, over paradise because it is so distant, and over the danger there is of losing it. Number seven, who are they that hunger and thirst after justice? Answer, they that hunger and thirst after justice are those who ardently desire to increase daily more and more in divine grace and in the exercise of good and virtuous works. Number eight, who are the merciful? Answer, the merciful are those who love their neighbor in God and for God's sake, compassionate his miseries, spiritual as well as corporal, and endeavor to succor him or rescue him according to their means and position. Number nine, who are the clean of heart? Answer, the clean of heart are those who retain no affection for sin and keep aloof from it, and who above all else avoid every sort of impurity. Number 10. Who are the peacemakers? 
Answer, the peacemakers are those who preserve peace with their neighbor and with themselves, and who endeavor to bring about peace and concord between those who are at variance. Number 11, who are they that suffer persecution for justice's sake? Answer, they who suffer persecution for justice's sake are those who patiently bear derision, reproof, and persecution for the sake of the faith and of the law of Jesus Christ. Number 12, what do the various rewards promised by Jesus Christ in the Beatitudes denote? Answer, the various rewards promised by Jesus Christ in the Beatitudes all denote under different names the eternal glory of paradise. Number 13, do the Beatitudes procure us the glory of paradise alone? Answer, the Beatitudes not only procure us the glory of paradise, but are also the means of leading a happy life as far as this is possible here on earth. Number 14. Do those who follow the path of the Beatitudes receive any reward in this life? Answer, yes, certainly. Those who follow the path of the Beatitudes do receive a reward even in this life, inasmuch as they enjoy interior peace and contentment, which is the beginning, even though an imperfect one, of the happiness of heaven. Number 15. Can those who follow the maxims of the world be called truly happy? Answer no, because they have no true peace of soul and are in danger of being lost eternally. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. So I know we've all taken some hits lately, and I don't mean to make any excuses, but two things. My blog got hacked, and that is the portal for my podcasts. My blog was either hacked or it's broken, so that's put me way behind the eight ball. And then I also recently got COVID. Actually, I have it right now. Uh, this is being recorded a week ahead of time, and I just got the diagnosis like two days ago. Certainly don't understand why they locked down the whole world for this, um, but it slowed me down a little bit. So between uh, several hits I've taken, I do apologize for the uh, lower production rate. I'll try to kick that up again. Again, I don't mean to make excuses, but I do want to give you some reasons. Let's look at number three today. Who are they whom the world calls happy? And Pope St. Pius X answers, The world calls happy those who abound in riches and honors and those who lead a pleasant life and who meet with no occasions of suffering. I want to give you a few of my thoughts on this. You know, I have said this before, maybe on these podcasts, but I believe the number one failed aspect of catechesis in the past 60 years is we have not been taught original sin and how wide and deep it goes into our own souls and into the culture. You know, Catholics a hundred years ago, all of my Irish and German ancestors, they would have very much understood that we are born into this valley of tears. And now that didn't actually make them grumpy. I think if we under-promise and over-deliver to our hearts, we actually end up a lot happier. But when you realize that we are born into this valley of tears, you really expect very little from what, the, what Trent calls the world, the flesh, and the devil. I mean, we shouldn't expect anything, of course, from the devil, who's only a liar. But why in the world have Catholics even expected a little bit from the world and the flesh? Maybe because Vatican II repeatedly says we have to fight for progress for this world. Actually, it doesn't even use the word fight. It says we must attempt somehow uh, to be collaborators in the progress of this world. Well, if you think about it, Trent and Vatican II are contrary in that. Trent coined these terms from the Gospels, world, flesh, and the devil, that the Catholic is at, ter is at odds with the world, the flesh, and the devil, 
where Vatican II wants us to work for progress in this world. Well, you have to pick. You either have to realize the world of flesh and the devil are our enemies or work for progress in this world. You have peace when you realize that this world is broken through and through. So I would say there's only three goals for the apostolic Catholic now in the 21st century. First, your own personal sanctity. Two, converting other people. And three, establishing the social reign of Christ the King. But barring the last one, and we can scratch it off a list, at least before the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, why can we do that? Well, because every world government now seems to be against God, at least in first world countries. So we must admit we aren't going to make much use of this Vatican II term, progress in the world, because an apostolic Catholic, a traditional Catholic, is not moving in the same direction as the world. And it is such a naive take that ignores original sin that we see among the normie Catholics. All you have to do is look around and see how many people hate God. And if you think I'm exaggerating when I say hating God, just watch any Matt Walsh segment on the trans world. You see that there are people, and they're, they're broken, they're hurting, maybe they're possessed. But it appears they're rejecting God, not only as the Redeemer, but also as God the Creator. What do I think about Matt Walsh videos? Well, in some sense, he's just slam dunking on a five-foot rim. But we kind of need a master of the obvious, a captain of the obvious like Matt Walsh, to point out in a world this dark, really, really basic truths. We're right back to Genesis chapter 1 on overturning creation. So you have to wonder if this is not the end of all things. And maybe I'm wrong, but I do find it interesting, speaking of the end of all things, how a lot of salvation history follows a mirror or a chiastic structure. I find it interesting that Abraham lived around 2000 BC, and now, at about 2000 AD, we see the apostasy or the leaving of the faith of most Catholics. Do you see that mirror structure? 2000 BC started the faith, and 2000 AD almost seems to end the faith. And as we talked about on one of the VLX series, the Church Fathers believe that the end of the world will come about 6,000 years after the creation of the world, and we as traditional Catholics take the Bible inerrantly, meaning we do believe the earth was created around 4,000 BC. Obviously, 6,000 years after 4,000 BC takes you to 2000 AD. But even if I'm wrong, let us be found to be the few faithful who value the Beatitudes over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Also, we have to stop expecting that we Catholics will win over the world, the flesh, and the devil by reaching across the aisle in some type of compromise, some dead fish handshake with the left. A little secret here, the world is sick of seeing us Christians compromise. Despite their rage against us, I believe deep down the leftists want to see us live what we proclaim, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Let's look again at number four. Who are the poor in spirit whom Jesus Christ calls blessed? Answer: so the poor in spirit are, according to the gospel, those whose hearts are detached from riches, who make good use of riches should they have any, who do not seek them too eagerly if they have none, and who suffer the loss of such things with resignation when deprived of them. Now, a few of my thoughts, Father David Nix here. You know, I find it astonishing the poverty of the early apostles and Christians that took over the entire world. Think about how the apostles not only had no internet, that's obvious, but they were basically homeless men before the printing press was invented. 
and yet they conveyed the same exact faith from Spain to India. Of course, as you all know, 11 of the 12 of the apostles were killed for preaching Christ, crucified, and risen. But if that weren't proof enough, do you ever wonder at how Catholicism by, say, the 11th century was the same in France and Italy? I mean, yeah, there were tiny differences on the prefaces. We call them the Gallican prefaces said at Holy Mass found in France. But, and yeah, of course, there were priests and bishops not living great moral lives all the time. But what kept the faith one without telegraphs or the printing press? What kept the liturgy one before the internet? And yet now we have those, and there's as many doctrinal opinions as Catholics on the planet because of this great apostasy that was prophesied in the third secret of Fatima. But my point is this, in happier days, before this great apostasy of the 20th century, you really have to wonder how these homeless men, these 12 apostles with no internet or printing press or telegraph, conveyed the faith so perfectly that, say, an Irish king in the 5th century would believe the same and worship the same as, say, a Spanish queen in the 14th century. This has to be due, first, to the power of God, and secondly, the mediatrics of all graces, Mary, and then behind them both, or rather flowing from them, is the power of the gospel and the saints living the Beatitudes. Okay, and just two short ones left, number six and number 14. Number six again, who are they that mourn yet are called happy? Answer, they that mourn yet are called happy are they who suffer tribulations with resignation and who mourn over sins committed, over the evils and scandals that prevail in the world over paradise because it is so distant and over the danger there is of losing it. Notice we are sad that paradise is so distant, yet we are happy that it is promised to us by God if we are faithful. Notice we are sad that this world is full of sin and evil, but happy that God has planned a new heavens and a new earth. Number 14. Do those who follow the path of the Beatitudes receive any reward in this life? Answer, Yes, certainly. Those who follow the path of the Beatitudes do receive a reward even in this life inasmuch as they enjoy interior peace and contentment, which is the beginning, even though an imperfect one, of the happiness of heaven. Okay, notice that the peace that you have if you live the Beatitudes here on earth is already a foretaste of heaven, even though the Beatitudes entail suffering here on earth. And please do make sure to get the Catechism of the Council of Trent for our next series, which will follow CPX. That will be called RCT, which stands for Roman Catechism of Trent. Please say an Our Father for me. Et benedictio Deum Epotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos et maniet semper. Amen.